the Oakdale Christian Centre podcast. In today's episode, Dave leads a study on Psalm 31. Psalm 31 In you, Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. Turn your ear to me. Come quickly to my rescue. Be my rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me. Since you are my rock and my fortress, for the sake of your name, lead and guide me. Keep me free from the trap that is set for me, for you are my refuge. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Deliver me, Lord, my faithful God. I hate those who cling to worthless idols. As for me, I trust in the Lord. I will be glad and rejoice in your love, for you saw my affliction and knew the anguish of my soul. You have not given me into the hands of the enemy, but have set my feet in a spacious place. Be merciful to me, Lord, for I am in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, my soul and body with grief. My life is consumed by anguish and my ears by groaning. My strength fails because of my affliction and my bones grow weak. Because of all my enemies, I am the utter contempt of my neighbours and an object of dread to my closest friends. Those who see me on the street flee from me. I am forgotten as though I were dead. I have become like broken pottery, for I hear many whispering, terror on every side. They conspire against me and plot to take my life. But I trust in you, Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hands. Deliver me from the hands of my enemies, from those who pursue me. Let your face shine on your servant. Save me in your unfailing love. Let me not be put to shame, Lord, for I have cried out to you. But let the wicked be put to shame and be silent in the realm of the dead. Let their lying lips be silenced, for with pride and contempt they speak arrogantly against the righteous. How abundant are the good things that you have stored up for those who fear you, that you bestow in the sight of all on those who take refuge in you. In the shelter of your presence you hide them from all human intrigues. You keep them safe in your dwelling from accusing tongues. Praise be to the Lord, for he showed me the wonders of his love when I was in a city under siege. In my alarm I said, I am cut off from your sight. Yet you heard my cry for mercy when I called to you for help. Love the Lord, all his faithful people. The Lord preserves those who are true to him, but the proud he pays back in full. Be strong and take heart, all you who hope in the Lord. Now, did anyone, the first question I, I posed on Sunday, can anyone tell me, obviously David is the writer, can anyone tell me when he wrote it or when they think he wrote it? Because obviously it's very difficult to... Now... A lot of people, um, it doesn't really make much difference, uh, say it was when he was pursued by Absalom. Remember? Um, so was his father-in-law, and Saul, his father-in-law, wanted to kill him. He had a good family. And Absalom, his son, he wanted to get rid of him as well. So he had a good family. If you think you've got a bad family, not as bad as, as David. Now, of course, a lot of these problems weren't of David's making, but some were. And if you look at the background behind Absalom, really... It generated from his sin, um, 
But Absalom, um, he was a sneaky one. But the, the, the Israel loved him because he was, he was handsome. The Bible says from time to time he cut his hair and uh, it weighed so much, it was too much to weigh, like some of us. So, uh, but you know what, Absalom, he was a sneaky one because um, the Bible says he would stand at the gates of the city and when they were coming along, he said, oh, you got a problem, boy? Ah, he said, well, don't worry. Look, if I was a king, I'd sort it out for you. So he, he usurped his father's authority sneakily um, and even, even to so much, we look at it a minute, idolatry, he set up, the Bible says, he set up a monument to himself. So we can see that the pride got to him. Always a problem, always a problem. That's why G, the, the Lord loved David, because he always ran to the Lord, as this psalm shows us. He always ran to the Lord. Um, so Absalom, you can fit it in there, you can fit most things there. But Absalom probably, um, as we'll just go through it. Anyone else? Now, um, I did say, can anyone, these, this psalm is quoted by a number of people. Anyone look for that? Uh, Jesus, what is um, they tell us that um, in Jonah's prayer, uh, now Jonah, amazing Jonah's prayer, Jonah chapter 2, we won't read that tonight, but Jonah knew God's word. And, and I don't know what, what if, if you're in difficulty, you've got to have God's word in you. Jonah, his prayer was in the middle of that fish, wouldn't it? A big way. I'm going to pray then a bit quick. But out, out of that prayer, there's, there's multitudes of, of quotations from God's word. And this, Psalms in the Old Testament were always sung. Um, and we've forgotten that. And, you know, sometimes we, in, in the Anglican church, or even in the, in the synagogue, they, they, they chant the Psalms, don't they? Have you ever heard that? Depending on how good the minister is, mine. Otherwise, if you, if you ain't got a good voice, it can be painful. But there's, there's wisdom behind that, because you know what? You will remember it far greater if you sing it true isn't it all the songs you can remember and and i, I can remember so many things and then i what's his name i forgot his name forgot his name but that which you sing you remember so all these were sung so that's why jonah quoted it because he knew it jeremiah the bible says um six times that particular verse terror on every side jeremiah quotes it so it's a well well quoted word and that verse 5, of course, we'll come to that in a moment. It's an amazing verse, isn't it? With a, an absolute um, giving over of our lives to the Lord. Right, anybody else? Any, any words that cropped up? Some I did say about looking for those words that crop up. Particular words that come. Anything? See, God's word, um, sometimes it, it, it gives us a greater, big, bigger picture. Because instead of saying God is strong... The Bible says God is our rock. And um, that's far more um, descriptive, isn't it? Because a rock speaks of steadfastness, of strength, of stability, of long-lastingness. No such word, but we'll use it. Why is that? Because uh, when me and you have gone, the bricks in this building, although they, some of them are eroding, will be here long gone, long after we've gone. So... Um, Refuge. Let's just read a couple of verses while we, that we are cracking up. We're talking about the rock. Uh, Deuteronomy 32, 3 and 4. I will, I will proclaim the name of the Lord. All praise the greatness of our God. He is the rock, his words are perfect, and all his ways are just. Be faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just 
Well, that's, we sing that song, don't we? Ascribe greatness to That's why it's good to put some of these words in, in songs, because we know that now. And you, you may have said, well, I didn't know where it was from. It's from Moses' song. Moses' last song, he was teaching the Israelites. He said, remember this, ascribe greatness to our God, the rock. His work is perfect and all his ways are just. So they would have sung it and they would remember it. He is our rock. Um, he is our refuge. Um, someone read 1 Samuel, I think you've got the back, boys. 1 Samuel 2, 1 to 2. My heart rejoices in the Lord, and the Lord has made me strong. Now I have an answer for my enemies. I rejoice because you rescued me. No one is on me like the Lord. There is no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. Hannah, Hannah, after. Uh, great miracle intervention from the Lord <clears throat> and then she takes Samuel back and she says look I promised to give him to you and uh, of course our children are not ours are they <laughs> um, we, we, that's what we, we dedicate them and uh, someone uh, I remember someone emailing us do we do we christen I said well not really I said um, I said we, we dedicate we give God thanks for the gift of the child to us Sometimes, no, no. Um, and then we say, Lord, here he is, or here she is. He is yours because we just temporary looking after him and we, we promise to bring him up in the admonition of the Lord. If you notice, in the, I've just added a couple of extra ones there because in that first few verses, you will find uh, those other words. He's our, my redeemer. He's my uh, fortress there. My re rescue, my righteousness. Another word that crops up. Do you find it? Trust. Trust. Uh, he's, he's, he's got a complaint before the Lord, but is the, the, the word that comes up, in fact, is, you've got four or five times it comes up, but it, it's slightly different. The first word you'll find in the first chapter in verse one is, Lord, I trust you. I'll find refuge, which is really a really uh, urgent trusting. He's fleeing to the Lord for protection. Remember, he's in difficulty. Absalom is after him. His son is after him. His son wants to kill him, take him out. Um, and he's running to the Lord. And he's fleeing to him. Now, the, another word, the other word trust also means to take confidence and security, but not with that um, imminency, not with that urgency. Um, but so he, he's coming to the Lord and he, he's, he's first, he's laying out first what God has been to him and what God has done for him. Thankfully, David reminded himself of what God was, what God had done. And uh, he knew that from a young boy, didn't he? Remember, he turns up with Goliath. And uh, Saul said, well, mate, well done. Well done for your boldness. Well done for your courage. But you've got no chance, mate. He, was, he wasn't a, he wasn't a we, we picture him as a little boy. He was not really. He was a late teens, I think. But, you know, he, and Saul thought, well, he's, he's full of that teenage bravado. <laughs> But David said, no, no, no. He said, wait a minute now, he said. When no one was looking, God rescued me from the bear and the lion. And I killed them in the name of the Lord. Now, and this man, this, this, this uncircumcised Philistine who's challenging God, I will go against him in the name of the Lord. So he reminded himself of what God was to him. Now, <laughs> as we, he reminds God as well of his sin. But he is just... Trusting and verse six is Lord, I trust. Verse one, I tr I flee with urgency. Verse six, Lord, I trust in you. I depend on you. My security is in you. My confidence is in you. You are 
what did he say? Verse 5 is the, is, the, is the verse we looked at. Into your hands I commit my spirit. That is an absolute amazing declaration of trust. Lord, my spirit, which is my life, I give to you. And uh, why does he do that? Two reasons. Again, lovely to break God's word up. Because he's my redeemer. You redeem me, Lord, and you are the God of truth. Two reasons why, Lord, I give you my life. Why? Because you're my redeemer. That means he's paid the price for you. So it's good reasons to give our lives to the Lord, isn't it? He, he redeemed us, and he's the God of reality. He's God of truth. He won't tell us a lie, and uh, he won't dis disturb us and distort the truth. He's the God of truth. That's why into my hands I commit my spirit. Um, then that verse 6 there, I hate those who cling to worth as idols. That's the verse that uh, Jonah uh, speaks about. Then he has, we have the first but. I like the first but. But, what does but mean? Um, it means, oh, slow down, nevertheless, however, contrary to, the, to, the, to the, the, what the life is going, what's happening to you, but, Lord, I trust in you. He reminds the Lord that he's trusting in him. He's regarded, he said, those who regard, those who, who look to those things that are, are, are idols, the, those things which are fleeting, those things which are temporary, and Absalom had, was settling for temporary, for the, for the now. He wanted to be king now. He wanted so much so that he built even a, an altar to himself. Uh, let's see what God thinks about that, what God tells us about temporalness and eternity. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18. That's what the Lord keep us now. He says, careful now. David had his mind and his heart. When he came into God's presence, he had a different perspective, remember? With outside of God, our minds and our eyes focus on this life, on time. And he said, and, and, and Paul says, no, 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 get your eyes on that which is eternal. Because year goes in a moment, and then we're into eternity. And David said, those who, who, who are after idols are fleeting, are temporal, uh, take away the truth. It's not truth. It's, it's a lie. The enemy. About this in Colossians 3. Colossians 3. Wonderful. Since then you will be embraced with Christ, set your heart on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. She so said, Look, you are the Lord's. Set your mind on things above. And seek that which is eternal. Set, seek. It means to get your affection, actually to exercise the mind. Oh, we don't like doing that sometimes. But it's good to, that's why it's good to just break God's word open. Just take your time. Allow it. Sometimes we can read God's word. That's very important. But sometimes dwell on God's word. Let God's word permeate into our lives. Um, so it has its way. 
That's why we exercise our mind. We say, well, what are you trying to say here, God? What are you trying to say to me in this passage um, uh, here? And uh, just talking about in that, that particular um, verse, into your hands I commit my spirit, underlying verse 15, you want, because it's a similar verse. Um, I'm just reading a story about John Huss. Um, I don't know that, you put that book back, or someone take it to read, do they? Oh, that little book, I don't know if someone took it to read, 10, Ten Boys Who Changed the World. Yeah, and John Huss is in that, and um, uh, he was uh, preach. He, he was a priest, but then he, he had listened to Whitecliffe, and he began to preach the truth <laughs> in, in Czechoslovakia, in Prague. And when the Catholic Church found out, they said, you can't be preaching this, boy. He said, well, it's truth. It's the word. He said, don't care what it is. You're not preaching Catholic doctrine, and you're not preaching the church is infallible, and the Pope's... He said, I don't care. He said, I'm preaching truth. And uh, he was burnt at the stake. You know, sometimes we forget um, that the cost of some of these great men of old paid. And we don't, well, let's never forget either the, the, how many millions the Catholic Church have killed uh, in the name of religion. And when he was at the stake, the Bible says, uh, the Bible, history tells us, the bishop who was, um, doing, was there said, we commit your soul to the devil. The evil they were, wouldn't they? Commit your soul. John Huss stood up, tied to the stake. I commit my spirit into your hands, Lord Jesus Christ. To thee I commit my spirit. I commend my spirit, which you have redeemed. And uh, there he was, burnt, burnt to death to preach the gospel. We won't get that, will we? Sometimes we, if anyone challenges us, somebody, oh, wait a minute now, let's, let's talk about this. Oh, great men of God. How about verse 7? Um, again, he's in, he's in this process of, uh, reminding himself who God is, what God has done. Verse 7, uh, he says, I will be glad and rejoice in your mercy, uh, in your love. For you saw my affliction and you knew the anguish of my soul. Thankfully, God knows the anguish. He sees and knows us. There's nothing outside. Now, you know, we can come in tonight and say, oh, we're doing all fantastic. But no one knows the heartache that's going on inside, do they? Only God does. But he does. He sees and knows the anguish of our hearts. But I love this because, again, this trust comes up, like I said, about four times. But also this word comes up. Um, sometimes mercy, sometimes love. We talked about it before. God's hesed. God's Covenant love. Um, in, the, in the King James, they couldn't translate it. So they, what they did, they put two words together. Just loving kindness. Um, it, it all talks about God's strength, God's steadfastness, God's commitment uh, that he will not wash his hands over Israel. His covenant love. It's that uh, we... They, uh, in the um, Septuagint, they, they didn't interpret it, but I think I'm going to tell them they're wrong. But uh, uh, agape, really, agape love is the equivalent in the New Testament, that love that is absolutely sold out. And he was reminding himself of who God was and God's covenant love. And uh, let's read uh, where we get that from. Exodus, right at the back of the beginning of the Bible, Exodus 34, 6 and 7. And the Lord passed before him, proclaimed, Moses, Moses, and the Lord passed before him, Long suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, <coughs> keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers among the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. So, you see, Moses wanted to see God, the glory of God, didn't he? 
He wanted to know who God was. That's a great, one of the greatest, as we said before, one of the greatest uh, call out to God, one of the greatest cry, show me your glory, Lord. And God said, this is who I am. Slow to anger, bounding in loving kindness. Yet I am just. I will re- revisit and judge sin. But his said is his character. He's abounding in that. And uh, that's why David was so, he said, look, I can take great, I, I'm glad and rejoice. Remember those words, glad and rejoice? Glad means to jump up and around, didn't he? Spin, jump up and spin around. Careful. You youngsters can do that. Jump up and spin around. Why? Because of his love to us, his covenant love. Bless the Lord. And verse 8, to finish that section off, um, he says, thank you, Lord. Um, You've not handed me over to my enemies. You have set my face, my feet in a space, a broad place. You've given me victory and liberty. Bless the Lord. Uh, 2 Corinthians 2, verse 14. I think that's... But thanks to God, who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. He always leads us in triumphal procession. You know, if you're following Christ, you're always walking in victory. It may not look it, it may not feel it, but we can't lose, can we? Uh, as we said the other day, I think it was Sunday, you know, if, if we were to, to die, that's victory, isn't it? Because we, this is just passing from this life into our glorious future that can never fail, can never spoil, and we'll be there for eternity. We can't lose, we can't lose. How about James 4? We know these verses, but again, so good. James 4, 6, 7. But he gives us more grace. Victory in him. Submit to the Lord, follow him, resist him, and he, he's got nowhere to go. Why? Because we are in his hands. We are blood bought, we are blood marked, and we are in his hands. And, and he, David was reminding himself, of course, of past victories. And uh, Lord, you've done it before, and you can do it again. So that's where his, his, first, that's where his confidence was. Thankfully now, we, we'd say, oh, dear. but he, he goes into his complaint. Oh, now here we go. He, now he, he's, he's, he's telling us all the difficulties he's had, um, his distresses. Um, the people, uh, verse, verse 11, they've despised him, they've rejected him. Um, verse 12, they've forgotten him, they've disregarded, they discounted him. Even up to verse 13, where they said, we want to destroy him. We want to destroy him. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think if anyone's ever said to me, God, I want to kill David. Now, wait a minute, now, we might have said in their minds, and I don't want to say what, you know. Uh, but, you know, with that intent... And uh, maybe, many, maybe some people have, have said things about us, but the, here he was, the king, and, and what he'd done for the nation. Uh, but they despised him, they disregarded him, the difficulty, the distress, the despondency. The Bible says, so much so that his body, uh, you know, again, we talked about the inter- interlocking of our, uh, our emotions and our body. We're not separate, we're one person, but our emotions can, of course, affect our physical health, can't they? We know that. They tell us if, you, if you're under stress, you, you're guaranteed your blood pressure will go up, you, you have ulcers and, and all those things. So he, he's got to that point where his son is after him and he can't, he, the stress is on him so much. But thankfully, he gives us, he goes straight to the Lord. 
he's to the Lord every time he's going to the Lord and that's so important that is the vital that is one of the things as we said that Mark David out as a man after God's own heart he had difficulties he had distresses but he always went to the Lord he always went to him and uh, as we in that last verse where he calling on the people remember our default position James isn't it anyone happy praise anyone in difficulty pray anyone with illnesses difficulties sicknesses get to the people of God in the house of God that the elders can pray for you that's our default position and that was David's default position. he ran to the Lord and from verse 9 to 13 he's pouring out his heart to God pouring out his heart to God that he needed the strength from God uh, his distress his grief consumed him his strength had gone of course he was an old man by now but he also doesn't cover over his sin that's why God loved him verse 11 I think isn't it there we are verse 10 I should say because of my my iniquity um depending you may depending on what version I think it probably says affliction up there doesn't it not not the right word it means iniquity which iniquity is that word for sin for the, the bent of my heart iniquity is the bentness in me and uh, he said lord that's that's why i, I understand that uh, i have caused this in some way because of my sin but you know what he comes to the lord he brings it and repents he's coming before the lord he's repenting of it of it but then in the middle of this between 9 and 9 and 18 is complaint verse 14 15 uh, is what we like to call a parenthesis he breaks he breaks out from the complaint doesn't he because he says but another but however in contrast nevertheless but with all this difficulty with all the weight of the difficulty upon me but i trust in you O lord you are my god my times are in your hands bless the lord that is a fantastic picture of who we are in the lord lord i trust in you there's a progression here. as we trust we become his sons and daughters now you are my god and now because you're my god lord my times are in your hands i got nothing to worry about nothing to concern me about um but of course again just trusting that but not actually receiving uh, is so important romans 8 romans 8 because the lord comes in didn't he it, it's it's supernatural it's regenerated the lord's coming into our lives so we can say lord you are my god now many people pray to god and and uh, i sometimes god is merciful to hear an answer but you know there's a big difference because now his spirit testifies of my spirit i am the child of god and when i say abba father his ear is ready and waiting to hear my cry because i've trusted in him i've lent on him i've secured in my 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 confidence is in him and now he's my god 
I can say, Lord, you are my God. And then the progression is, Lord, my times are in your hands. Not just my time. Of course, that is. We looked at Psalm 139. Lord, the, the, the days ordained for me are written in your book. But my times, my, the events of life, the difficulties of life, Lord, they're in your hands. I don't like some of them, but remember, Job, uh, the devil says, you, yeah, he, he got an edge about him. Get that edge. Let me have a go at him. Let me have a go at him. And God, God said, okay. And only it is say so. The devil could come in and have a go at him. And uh, remember, my times are in his hands. That is amazing. Amazing. So the, in the middle of his complaint, he's, he's just, he just gushes out to the Lord. Lord, although all this is going on, you are mine. I am yours. And whatever happens, I'm in your hands. And then he gets back down into his prayer, his complaint. Lord, deliver me. Deliver me, Lord. Uh, the enemy uh, would come after me. Uh, from those who pursue me. So obviously he was on the run. We get that from that. And then verse 16, a beautiful verse. He, he brings up that uh, Aaronic blessing, doesn't he? Uh, from Aaron, uh, back in Numbers. Oh Lord, whatever you do, remember me. Uh, number 6, 23, 27. Tell them, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you. Again, he was reminding himself of being in the house of God when the priest would speak the blessing over the people, bless you and keep you, make his face shine on you. He said, Lord, please, let your face shine on me, your, your, your favor, your counsel, your face and not your back. Lord, don't turn from me. I want your face to shine to me and deliver me and save me. I'm your servant. And again, that verse 16 says, save me. Why? Save me for your Chesed. Save me because you love me. Save me because of your mercy, not because of anything else. It's interesting that he started um, the, the prayer, the complaint. Verse 9. Sorry, I jumped there. Verse 9. Sorry, Joe. Nip that back. He starts verse 9. He starts his prayer by saying, Lord, have mercy on me. Be merciful. That's our only, that's our only plea, isn't it? We got no other plea uh, before God. Have mercy on me, Lord. Be merciful to me. And I, I love in the New Testament, every time they came to Jesus, no, not quite every time, but what do they say? Have mercy, Lord. Mercy on me, son of David. Have mercy. We call upon our mercy, not getting what we deserve. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. God's pity, God's favor, God's compassion. And bless the Lord, he is all those things. And if he wasn't, then we may as well shut the doors and find something else to do. But be merciful to me, Lord. Be merciful. And so he, he's, he's finishing his complaint um, uh, with, with really um, asking not just deliverance, but Lord, deal with the issue. Save me. Save, <laughs> deliver me. But Lord, deal with the issue at hand. He says, um, let the wicked be put to shame, silent. Let their lying lips be silenced. For, for with pride and contempt, they speak arrogantly against me and against the righteous. He's calling on God. He's complaining and he's calling on God. Lord, you need to do something about this situation. Um, and then, thankfully, he, David doesn't leave it there. Then he goes into praise. 
There's, I tell you what we need again to be a people of praise. Uh, praise and prayer. Uh, he, he's, 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 now he's delivered his prayers complaint to God. Now he's getting, he's getting excited now because he's, he's, now his mind is turned into the goodness of God. Oh, oh God, you are good, he said. How, um, how great is your goodness which you have stored up for those who fear you, bestowed in the sight of men who take refuge in, again, who trust in you. We trust in God, we see the goodness. There's that verse in Romans 2, isn't it? Lord, it's your goodness that leads us to repentance. In fact, there's three things there. He says, isn't he? Um, what does he say? It's your forbearance, um, your goodness, your forbearance, your long-suffering. But your goodness leads us to repentance. God's goodness, God's kindness to us in that he knows us, yet he still wants us to, he wants to come into our lives. That, the goodness of the Lord, that's why David is getting excited because he knows where he's been. He knows what he's done, but the goodness of the Lord is overriding that. So he's coming into his last section where he's getting excited. He's praising, he's commending, he's getting excited with the Lord, who he is in your shelter. Lord, um, I come. Uh, let's read those verses. Shelter of your presence, the covering of your countenance, hiding the tabernacle, Psalm 91. Um, Ken quotes this very often, Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the foul snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness yeah he will cover us he will overshadow us as we take refuge in him um again we took that picture about the hen and the chicks the covert the covert of your wings lord um uh, that's a beautiful picture the covenant the covenant of your, your covering of your countenance and of your, your tabernacle um we missed a verse out there uh, verse 18 where he said, um, Lord, let lying lips be signs for pride and contempt. They speak arrogantly, arrogantly against the righteous. Remember, God, the power of words, isn't it? The power of words. Um, they were bringing, even David, that old man, those words were bringing him down. But remember, be careful with our words. Be careful with our words because this is what the Lord says about our words. Uh, Matthew 12, 36, 37, I think. If I say unto you, that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. See, words really reflect our hearts, and that's why the Bible says the power of life and death is in the tongue. Out of the overflow, the verse is just before that moment, out of the overflow of our hearts, our mouth speaks. So eh, listen, listen to yourself, and you'll see what's in your heart so often. And sometimes we gush out and we think, oh, Dave, that wasn't so good. There's a bit of anger there, or there's a bit of uh, jealousy, or bitterness. Oh, doesn't matter what it is, it's coming up. We can, s Lord, careful now, because the Bible says every idle word, he'll judge us according to it. And that's a frightening thing, because we've said some rubbish in our times, haven't we? Uh, so be careful, but he's asking the Lord to watch their words and to judge them accordingly. But then, of course, he's going into commendation. He's finishing up with the praise of the Lord, uh, the covering of God. And uh, God, you've heard my cry for help. How about those verses, Hebrews 4, 15, 16? 
we are not a hate priest which cannot be touched with our feelings or our infirmities, but who is in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So in the middle of praise, he's reminding himself of, of his situation again. Verse 21 says, Praise be to the Lord. He has showed his wonderful love. I said one, he said, this hesed is marvelous. <laughs> it is wonderful, isn't it? Maybe talk about the, it's, it's um, Valentine's Day on uh, Sunday. I didn't realize that. And as I celebrate that, but uh, the wonderful love. We'll maybe look at the love of God. It is, what he, David says, marvelous, is wonderful. Because, you know, he said, uh, again, uh, this is, a, this is a, uh, not a bad version here. He said, you showed me wonderful love when I was in a besieged city, when I was under attack, when I was vulnerable, when all the, all the people were around me. Lord, your wonderful love, your wonderful love uh, was showed to me. Your wonderful love. And those verses there, Hebrews 4. Again, we've talked about that before. Lord, the throne of grace is open for us. We have confidence. We have boldness to come before the throne of grace to find mercy and grace in time of need. And help. Remember we talked about that word help? is when the boat, is, uh, the ship is just about to break apart. And the word there is called frapping. Knew nothing about frapping until you look it up. And frapping means to, to send the, the ropes or chains around the boat, around the hull, under, underneath on the other side, to hold it together. They wrap it with, with ropes or chains. And that's the word. He said, when you're just about to be broken apart, come before the throne of grace and you'll find help. You'll find uh, those ropes and those chains from me that holds the hull together. Instead of being broken apart and broken to bits, I'll hold you, I'll hold you, I'll up, uphold you. And then he finishes off with a call to God, didn't he? A call to him. His conclusion is what? Love the Lord, you his saints. Love the Lord. Ah, that's a, uh, David, that's why uh, God loved David. Love the Lord, he said. You saints, you people of God. Why? Because he preserves the faithful. He's a preserver. He's a protector. He's an empowerer. But the proud, he pays back in full. Be strong and take heart. All you are, hope in the Lord. And again, you'll find that, that verse there. In uh, probably in Corinthians with Paul there. Be strong and take heart. We, at the end of Corinthians, be of great courage, he says. Be of great courage. That was his conclusion. Uh, to a call to love and to serve and to follow and to stand and to abide and to fasten ourselves to him and on him. And those who hope in the Lord, again, Isaiah 40, verse 30, 31, slightly different word, those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall rise up with wings of eagles. Amen. Walk and not faint, run and not be weary. Bless the Lord. So David, the psalmist, in the funeral last week, I just talked a bit about this because that was one of the verses that, um, as I was talking to Paul uh, back in the summer when he was just telling me his diagnosis, he said, my times are in his hands. And that's our confidence, you see, that's our great confidence, uh, that we don't know what's going to happen, but we know who's got it in the hand. But again, we can't say that until we say the verses, but I trust you, Lord, you are my God, I'm yours, I'm born again, I'm a child of God, and then I can say, Lord, my time's in your hands. My time and my times. And that's why the Lord says, we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God has already prepared in advance, if we will walk in them. So tonight, oh Lord, help us to take our confidence, our trust in the Lord. He's all those things, and His blessing, His mercy, His mercy, His mercy, He endures forever. Let's pray. Thank you.
We hope you've enjoyed this episode. To find out more about our church, including our service times, visit www.oakdalechristiancentre.org. Thank you.